So we are starting a new series. Uh, this series is called Retweet. Uh, and I, I started thinking over this week as we were getting ready for this series. Let me just ask a question. How many of you in this room, i just invite you to stand if this is true. How many of you are born or were born after the year 2007? Oh, please. <laughs> we do have one. I see one that was born after 2007. Uh, but, but my point is simply, we're going we're gonna to start a series today. Um, we start thinking about um, just even the words, vocabulary. Uh, this, this word that we're talking about wasn't even part of our dictionary or vocabulary in 2000, until 2007. So we're starting something that... Um, when we were all born was not even a word, wasn't even a, a, a thought type thing. You think about how our vocabulary is sometimes switching and changing. Uh, we, we hear people say, well, how do you know that? Well, I Googled it. Well, I mean, Google is now a, a vocabulary word. It's a verb. It's a, it, it's a part of who we are and it's a part of our culture, uh, but it wasn't until Google came along. A retweet, if you are not familiar, uh, part of the social uh, media platform, uh, Twitter, uh, that if you take somebody's post and you put it on your Twitter feed, then you have retweeted. You have taken a thought and you have moved it forward. So if you are familiar maybe with Facebook, but you're not with Twitter, uh, when you share somebody's post, it's kind of the same premise uh, that you do uh, within the, the social media platform, Twitter. And so retweet is just a word that has been developed and come about. But I would argue to you that the, the concept of retweet is something that has been around for a long, long time. Uh, and I would encourage you to think about the fact that uh, when Jesus spoke in his life, he often used scripture from the Old Testament. Uh, when, he, when he battled the enemy uh, the, in the wilderness, he would use scripture so he would speak someone else's words. He, he would share uh, thoughts from, from Hebrew scripture. And, so, and he encourages us to do that. I mean, you know, we think of scripture often uh, as like a resource to go to when something is like, going on in your life. Okay, I'm struggling, so I need to go and see what the Bible says about that. And, and there's a place for that, and I do that occasionally as well. But, but when you really think about what God says for us to do, God tells us to take the word in our hearts, right? To put it inside, to bind it to us so that we are able to go and share that uh, with the world. Basically, I would make an argument for you is that Scripture tells us that we are to retweet uh, the word of God in the life that we live. I mean, that's what we're called to go and do. We're called to share. Uh, even as we sing, and we didn't pick this song because it was in there, but even as we song, sang the song freely, freely, it says that we are to, to, to give, we are to go and give, and we are to share so that other may people, people may know how to live. And my, that would be, to me, the definition of us being called to retweet. Now, we're going to look at the book of Proverbs as we think about this and try to encourage us to be able to take some of the wisdom of God. Proverbs is part of the wisdom literature of Scripture. We're to take some of the wisdom of God and be able to put it into our hearts so that we are able to go and live and share it uh, with the world. And so we want to start with uh, the book of Proverbs because Proverbs offers us a lot of practical 
Wisdom. It's one of the strengths of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs is set up. Let me just explain this to you. Proverbs is set up. You can live a life of folly or you can live a life of wisdom. So you can live a life that um, goes away from the wisdom of Scripture and goes away from the ways that God tells us to live. And you can live that life and it's described in Scripture as a life of folly. Or you can choose to embrace the ways of God adapt to the wisdom of God and to live a life that, that is godly. And so you, you have two choices that you can pick. And so often in Scripture, in the Proverbs at least, it's telling you the dangers of living a life of folly or the joys or the, the strengths of living a life that, that, that follows God. And so, so Proverbs in and of itself is a very practical uh, book. It's a, it's a book that is for all people and it crosses all historical boundaries. And so you're able to look and apply uh, the book of Proverbs. You meet along the way in the book of Proverbs. You meet um, mothers, you meet fathers, you meet children, you meet friends, you meet people who uh, are trying to follow God. You meet people who are trying to reject God. Uh, you meet all. So I, I think that you are able to find yourself very much in the book of Proverbs when you begin to, re to, to read it and embrace it. And one of the things that I'm going to encourage you to do is when you leave today, I want you to pick up, there's a basket over here, there's a basket on this side over here, and there's a basket out on the center table in the lobby. To pick up this card, uh, it's on a ring, uh, and every week you're going to get a new card, and I'm going to encourage you, they're laminated, so you can't like throw them away. Uh, these, these are real. Uh, and, and it's a scripture that kind of what we're talking about today, but I'm going to encourage you to memorize it. And you can tell me, oh, you know what? I'm not good at memory. Um, if you work at it, I promise you, you, it may take some of you a lot longer to work at it, but it's one piece of scripture that I want to encourage you to, to look at and memorize. And so through the course of this series, you'll find a few more passages that you'll be able to keep with you. You can put it in your purse. You can put it on your belt, whatever you want to do to carry it around. But it's a way to be able to take the word of God inside so that we're able to go and live it and share it so that other people come to know how to live. Amen? Let's pray. Most gracious God, we give you praise for today. We praise you for your word. We pray, God, that we can begin to truly understand your wisdom. That we are able to take your word into our hearts. Move it from just our head to our hearts so that we're able to live it out. We ask for your Holy Spirit in this moment. We pray, oh God, for you to guide us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to start with a, a, another question for you. Is, and and this, is a, this is a little difficult, and I even struggled with thinking about whether to ask you this. But how many of you would say that you struggle in your life with, you can, and let's kind of make it a little bit broad of, how many of you struggle with your life and something that is from your past? Um, maybe something either you did uh, that it's just been hard for you to, to reconcile and get over. Maybe it's something that was done to you and it's hard for you to move past that. Maybe you struggle uh, with a particular sin. 
Um, maybe you struggle with a particular relationship. You wished you wouldn't do something, but you do, or you wished you would do something, but you never do. Uh, you just struggle in your relationship with God and really trying to, to live what you think God is calling you to live, but you don't necessarily do what God is calling you to do. So how many of you would be honest to say and say, you know what, I struggle with that. I'm so proud of y'all for raising your hands for those that did. And, he, and here's the truth. And I raise my hand not like to show you how to do it. I raise my hand because I, I struggle with that. There's times where I, I don't do what I think God's calling me to do. Um, and, and the truth is that probably more of us struggle than even the ones who, who raised our hands. Because we have somehow, and I don't know how we've done it, we've created this culture in the church that exists like we have to have everything. We've already got it all figured out, and we're just, we just, we're just good. You know, we just, we, we've got everything figured out with God, and, 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 uh, and everybody else doesn't. And, and, and in my experience in the church, that is not true. Uh, most people who come to me who... Uh, are talking about an issue, even things that are going on in their life today. A lot of them are things that have been going on in their life for five years, 10 years, 15 years. It's something that they're dealing with from their family of origin. I mean, we, we, we struggle. And you can see in Scripture, and we've, we've looked at this class many times because it's a Scripture that we can all relate to. Look at this, what Paul says in Romans 7. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate, right? And so there's this internal struggle that so many of us find ourselves in. We, we see what the Word tells us about being fruit of the Spirit and being patient and, and kind and gentle and, and self-control, and yet we are not patient. Uh, we're kind to the people that we want to be kind to. Um, we, we don't have self-control in certain areas of our life. Uh, and so we look and go, this is what I want to do, but this is not what I do. And so this, there's internal struggle that exists. Peter describes it this way. Look what it says in 1 Peter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. And I would say to you that this part where Peter's describing it, it, it it's, it's much bigger than what we may even think about it sometimes because he says this, there's a war going on, a spiritual war for our soul. And we have to realize that, that there's this battle that is taking place. And so this internal struggle that we have, I would encourage you to realize that one thing is that this, struggle, this internal struggle comes because sometimes of the things that we've done. We do things that break the heart of God. We do things that we know are against the wisdom of God. So we do things that are more towards the life of folly. We do those type of things and we feel guilty and we are overwhelmed. David describes it this way in Psalm 38. Look at what it says. Because of your anger, my whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sins. My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. We have internal struggle because we are overwhelmed by trying to carry this sin around with us. And for some of us, that is where we are today. It's a very heavy place to be, 
trying to carry around the sin that you commit or have committed. Maybe it's a sin from 40 years ago and you're still carrying it around. And what it allows us to do as we carry that around is it creates prisons. We create prisons in our lives. It's what allows us to have secret addictions. It's what allows us to have secret sin. It overwhelms us. And we have this internal struggle that exists because of the things that we have done. Now, another suggestion for you is that this internal struggle comes because of the lies that we believe. Our enemy tells us something, whispers something to us, and we believe it. John chapter 8 says this, speaking of Satan, speaking of the devil, says, For you are the children of your father the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He lies to you. He lies to me. And we struggle because we begin to believe those lies. And so the enemy will say to you, if you tell anybody your secret, they are not going to understand The enemy tells you, you know what, if you actually tell people in the church what's really going on in your life, they are not going to accept you. The enemy tells you that if you tell people they're going to think of you less than, that they're not going to uh, welcome you in. The enemy tells you that. And it begins to tell you that those characteristics become your identity. So if you failed, then you are a failure. If you messed up, whether it was one year ago, this morning, five years ago, if you messed up, the enemy begins to tell you you are messed up. It's not that you messed up, it's you are messed up. And so the enemy begins to tell you these things that that begins to define who you are. And so we believe it. And so we say, you know what? We got to carry this with us. We got to carry this to the grave. How do we deal with that? Let me say to you and suggest to you it is better for you to confess your sin than to hide your sin. And we don't like to talk much about confession in the church because that opens us up. It makes us vulnerable. But folks, what Proverbs tells us, there's, there's a way. There's a way of folly and then there's a way of following God. I want y'all to listen. And, and it would have been very easy when I started thinking about this series of, of Proverbs, it would have been very easy to start with uh, you know, trusting in God or very easy to talk about, you know, the, the language that we use. But I, I truly believe this, this kind of gets to the very heart of who we are as the people of God. I want y'all to look at this proverb in Proverb 28, verse 13. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Let's leave that up for just one second. So people who conceal their sins, 
What does the scripture, what does wisdom of God tell us? People who conceal their sins, what? Will not prosper, right? Okay, so people who conceal them will not prosper. But if we confess, and notice there's two parts, if we confess and turn from them, so if we confess, and it's basically describing repentance to us, if we confess and turn from them, what does the scripture also promise us? Mercy, right? So we see two different ways for us to live. Let me suggest to you, if you hold in sin, it's like poison to your soul. It is poison to your soul when you hold sin in. Unconfessed sin. Folks, we are giving the enemy the power to rob us of the joy of life. We are giving the enemy the power to destroy us, the destructive power by unconfessed sin. You've got to get it out. And that's why I said we've got to start here in this proverb. You've got to get it out because unconfessed sin will cause pain in your life. So how do we get it out? Scripture is very clear. Let me give you a couple of suggestions. One, you confess to God for the forgiveness of sin. That's why we confess to God. We confess to God. Look what it says in 1 John. If we confess our sins to him... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Some translations will say to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. I might suggest to you this is like extra credit homework, which would be to like memorize this verse too. Because the enemy will also throw at you, well, you're not really forgiven. You know, you know what? The word of God tells me that God is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin. If I confess it, he is faithful and just. He will forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of all unrighteousness or all wickedness in my life. So I would encourage you to take this as a memory verse. When you cry out, listen to me. When you cry out, confess your sin through Jesus Christ. You are forgiven. Amen. Amen. You are forgiven. And what the enemy is going to stop and go is, well, you know what? God really can't forget that. No, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin. Of my sin. And so when you begin to stop and go, I'll have people go, well, you know what? I'm just not sure if God uh, can fairly forgive me for that. Yes, because he is faithful and just. If I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. But folks, there's another step that we stop. We stop there often. And there is another step in this process. If we want to move forward, I might suggest to you the scripture is very clear that we confess to each other for healing. Look at what it says again in the wisdom literature of James. Look what James says. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Let's leave that one up for just a second. What does it tell us to do? Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. That part of our 
responsibility in living a life of God is to confess our sins to each other and to pray for each other so that healing can actually begin. So we confess to God for forgiveness, but we confess to each other for healing. How are you in your life at confessing sins to others? I promise you, when I, as a pastor, when somebody walks into my office and we sit down and they say to me, I've never told anybody this before. In my heart, in my gut is like this. You're fixing to experience a spiritual breakthrough in your life. Because we carry the weight of sin around. We carry the guilt of sin around. But scripture is clear. When we confess our sin to God, he is faithful and just to cleanse us. And when we confess to each other and pray for each other, healing healing begins. I can tell you that in my spiritual journey, one of the greatest things that I ever stumbled across was accountability. I wished I could say this was an intentional effort, but I really did stumble into it. I met with a group of gentlemen. Every week we would meet, we would talk, and we would ask each other this question. What sins have you committed this week? Every week, I had to answer that question. What sins have you committed this week? Tomorrow morning, I will get up. I'll have a phone call with a group of gentlemen. And that is the very first question that they will ask me. For 19 years, I've had to answer that question. What sins have you committed? And then we've added... What sin have you not told us about? Yeah. What secret sin is in your life? But what I have found over the course of my life, over the last 19 years, one, knowing that I'm going to have to answer that question, <laughs> does make me think uh, twice. But, but it, it also brings great healing. Let me, let me tell you. One of my definitions of spiritual maturity, and I may have said this to you before, but it's worth repeating if I have. One of my definitions, just my own, is the distance of time between sin and confession. Think about it. Spiritual maturity, sometimes the distance between sin and confession. Scripture tells us all are going to all sin, all sin, and all fall, fall short of the glory of God. So to me, that is that we're kind of beyond that. You stop and go, but when you sin, what's the distance between confession, confession to God, and confession to uh, someone else? Now, listen, I am not one. If you know, if you follow me on social media, you're sorely disappointed because I don't do a whole lot within social media. I'm not suggesting to you that you go and tell everybody everything. I don't think that's healthy either. But I do think that you got to have somebody to tell some things. Who do you have in your life? Who do you have in your life that calls you and you talk to or you meet with and you say, where have you messed up? I would encourage you, some of y'all are in Sunday school classes, and you've been in Sunday school classes for 20 years with the same people. But you're at one level. I'm going to encourage you to stop and think about taking your Sunday school class a little deeper. A little deeper by saying, like, 
Where, where am I messing up? Because that's when healing begins, the scripture says. And what happens when you begin to confess to each other, you begin to pray for each other, Christ will set you free. Folks, I'm, you do not have to stay trapped. Look at what 1 Corinthians says. No temptation has ever overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. There is a way out. I would argue for you that God has created the church as part of the way out. He has surrounded you with people who are trying to follow God. He surrounded you with people who will come alongside. One of my worst experiences as a pastor in a church, early in my first ministry, I had a family that was in deep distress. There were things going on that I don't want to share, but I was sitting at the hospital one day with the mother. And we were talking, and finally some of the things that were happening in the house began to come out. And I turned to her and I said, well, why haven't you ever told anybody? Here was somebody who'd grown up in this church. She'd been in this church her whole life. I said, why have you not told anybody? And she made this statement to me. She said, the church is the last place I would ever want to bring my mess. I think about them all the time because I think, what have we done? What have we created a mindset that the church is the last place? Folks, I, the church is the first place that we need to come. We need to be a place where we're able to confess sin with each other and pray for each other. Otherwise, what are we doing? The scriptures are clear that when we begin to confess our sin to each other, healing begins to take place. We begin to experience the true life that God wants us to experience. I'll share one last passage with you that comes in 1 Peter. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. But listen to this part. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Doesn't that sound amazing? When we confess our sins to God. We confess our sins to each other. We pray for each other. God gives us freedom. And we return to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Free indeed. That's what God promises us. I'm here today to challenge you. Unconfessed sin is poison to your soul. Proverbs, the wisdom of God. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Amen? Let's pray.
Almighty God, we come as your people. Lord, I know that there are people in this room who are struggling, who have struggled with a sin they committed, maybe a sin that was committed against them, have committed recently or a long time ago. And Lord, we just don't live in a culture where we've given ourselves permission to to confess. We've been taught to keep it in. We have believed the lie of the enemy. Lord, I pray in this moment, first and foremost, that we can acknowledge our sin to you. Lord, I praise you that you are God. You tell us you are God who is faithful and just, that you will forgive us. But I also pray, God, that you give us the courage and the boldness to confess our struggles with each other. And we pray for each other. We don't judge each other. We don't condemn each other. We pray for each other. And Lord, I pray that in that we find freedom. Help us to be people of your wisdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.